Welcome to the Essential Geopolitics podcast from Stratfor, a rain company. This is your essential guide to major geopolitical developments and how they affect you and your business. I'm Emily Donahue. In this podcast, the U.S. relationship with China and how it is changing with Roger Baker, Senior Vice President for Strategic Analysis. Roger, thanks for being our guide today. Oh, thank you for having me. Roger, the Defense Department recently released its annual report to Congress on developments regarding the Chinese military and the rapid growth of the Chinese Navy. Can we talk a little bit about the significance of that? Sure. I mean, the the report emphasizes right at the beginning that the the Chinese Navy is now the largest navy in the world. It's got a battle force of about 350 ships and submarines compared to the U.S. 293 ships. So that that has raised a lot of uh, concern in the United States as to the idea that the Chinese have a much narrower geography to deal with in regards to the size of their navy than the U.S. does. That does significantly start to alter the balance of power within the West Pacific region. We've also seen recent reports come out emphasizing the Chinese overtaking the capacity and capability of the Japanese navy as well. So as we look at developments um, in the Western Pacific, in the Asia Pacific, in regards to um, political power, which translates into economic power and economic relationships, clearly the Chinese naval buildup has been reshaping uh, the structure of that region. So, Roger, how does China's naval buildup reshape dynamics in the entire Asia Pacific region? Well, when we look at this, um, one, it really does alter the question for countries in the region as to whether or not um, the United States is still the most important uh, partner uh, there. So as you think about um, relations in East Asia over the past, say, 10 years or more, it's really been a split between um, economic relations with China, defense and security relations with the United States. Um, but we've seen countries start to question whether or not that that dual relationship uh, is still of benefit. Uh, The Philippines is a great case in point where they have shifted uh, their relationship with the United States on the defense and security side, recognizing that the economic benefits from China outweigh uh, the potential U.S. security benefits, particularly when they haven't seen the United States take action on key aspects of what they consider to be their national security, like the disposition of their islands. South Korea looks at this dynamic as well. So as we watch the balance for political power, economic influence within that region and alliances and partnerships, the stronger and more capable the Chinese Navy, the more it eats away at the confidence that the United States uh, is going to be that most important partner And therefore, countries become more likely to side with China uh, or to try to continue to straddle that line between the United States and China. Roger, I can't help but be reminded of the buildup in the South China Sea not so many years ago in which the world watched and countries like the Philippines made statements that it was a problem. And yet China was able to do that without any international sanction. Yes, the, the, the Chinese have been able to expand um, in the South China Sea because the perception from the United States was that each individual action by China was not large enough to risk a major confrontation with uh, China by the United States. And that allowed the Chinese to eat away slice by slice, piece by piece. Some people like to call it the salami slicing strategy mm-hmm. uh, to reshape 
um, the, 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 the region. China is now firmly ensconced on several uh, artificial islands within the South China Sea. Um, it, it, th those islands may be vulnerable in times of war, but in everything shy of war, those islands exert uh, power and influence. Um, and the Chinese are using that to broaden their claim uh, on territorial waters. And the United States this year only finally came out with a very clear statement on their view of China's claims, declaring that they view many of these Chinese claims as illegitimate based on uh, a court ruling several years ago. And that's now putting uh, the United States and the Chinese at clear odds and one of the things we're watching for is whether some of these Southeast Asian nations, like Vietnam, for example, uh, start to assert themselves even stronger against China and require the United States to back up its new stated position that it will consider Chinese interference, for example, in Vietnamese waters as a violation of international law. Hmm. We're talking about Chinese naval power. China's long been a continental power with 14 different countries along its land borders. How do these land security pressures relate to China's naval expansion? Well, this is the real interesting challenge for China. China throughout its history has primarily been continental. Um, it's really focused on uh, the land areas. There's been a few moments in Chinese history, particularly when power was in the south, that China had a maritime component. But for the most part, it hasn't. China is now emerging as a truly amphibious power. Um, as a as a great power that has both a major continental component and an expanding uh, maritime component. It's pushing beyond the South China Sea. It's pushed into the Indian Ocean, further into the South Pacific, um, starting to look at moving up into the Arctic. So, so this is a real change in how we see China behave, but also a real change in the pressures and responsibilities. A country that is continental has a certain way of looking at the world, looking at relations. Um, continental powers are more often going to be uh, autocratic, going to be very centralized. Um, maritime powers are more often going to be uh, leaning potentially toward democratic. They're really built on commerce and international trade and international norms. So this is creating an interesting uh, cognitive dissonance inside Chinese leadership in how to manage those two worlds. And I think the Belt and Road Initiative is an attempt to straddle these two, both to look at the continental land connections into Eurasia uh, and to look at the maritime space. But I think that that's going to be the really interesting defining characteristic of the next decade or so in watching China. How does China balance uh, in this new amphibious nature? Roger Baker is Senior Vice President for Strategic Analysis at Stratfor, a rain company. Roger's must-read columns on China's geopolitical rise and what happens next can be found at Stratfor Worldview. Check out the special price for podcast listeners at stratfor.com slash podcastoffer. That's all one word, stratfor.com slash podcastoffer. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening. 